In the name of Jesus, we have prayed. Our Father, we thank you. Thank you because you have prepared something special for each person this evening. Lord, we worship you for your goodness. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Let's take our declaration. Remember, it's a declaration, all right? Now let's take it together. I want to let's go. Now I declare that the Lord has given me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. And I'm being filled with the knowledge of his will. In all spiritual wisdom and understanding. As a result of this, I'm walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. I'm pleasing him in all respects. I'm bearing fruit in every good work. And I'm increasing in the knowledge of God. Now again, I incline my ears to his word. The word is entering my heart. It is giving me light and direction. It is healing me in every area. And it's making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 I said amen. amen. And that will be your experience in Jesus' name. Alright, before you see that, can you just greet three people around you? Tell them God bless you. God bless you. A word is waiting for you. Alright, let's open our Bibles to continue teaching on lifted by the Lord. Our trust in God to be the one to lift us. We have to learn that to depend on Him. Last time I explained that we make up our minds how we want life to go. We make up our minds whether we want to go the way of the world, the way of the flesh, the way of Esau. And if that's what we want to do, it has its consequences, but it is better than saying you want to go the way of grace, but you're only holding on to grace halfway. It is worse for you, as a matter of fact. It is worse for the person who says he wants to go the way of grace, but refuses to pursue it to the end. What happens is what is called dying in the wilderness. If you leave Egypt, please make sure you strive to enter into the promised land. Very important. So we said we have to make up our minds. All right, there is a way of the world. I call it the way of Esau. There's a way of using your own strength, your own energy, your own ability to, you know, arrange things. That's one way. But there, and Jesus said, look, the people of this world, they normally are very, very good at that. They know that's the only thing they have, and that's why they behave the way they do. Many people that we are criticizing, God is not criticizing them that much, simply because he understands that they know nothing else. They know nothing else. And that is why they get away with a lot of things. Because the Lord, it's not as if I'm saying it is right. We're not saying that thing is right. We're just saying that God is kind. I was just reading Paul just now because I was reading something. He wrote to Timothy. He said that God, he said, Jesus came to die uh, for sinners, all right, of which I am chief. And what was, he, what was he saying? He said, everything that I did, I did in what? Ignorance and unbelief. I did not know. So God sometimes is patient towards people like that. What he has a problem with are those who claim to be believers, but they are now doing it as if they are not believers. Those ones, he calls them lukewarm. He calls them lukewarm. And he said, I'd rather you were cold or hot. Don't be, no, neither here nor there. Those who are cold, it's not as if it's better really in itself. It's just that they have a better hope. They have a better hope. But those who claim to be believers, but they're not going the way of the world, he calls them lukewarm and he has no use for such people. All right, so we say we must make up our minds. And what we are teaching is how to walk by grace, how to walk by that way of grace, how to walk by the method so that Jesus will be able to lift us up at his own time. We've established that he will definitely come. He will definitely come. The amount of effort we put into his anticipated return is a reflection of the amount of faith we have in it. We said he's coming. There are two levels. 
There is the ultimate one everybody will experience. Every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. There is one. But there is another one in which every day he comes back and says, what have you done with the talent I gave you before he lifts you up to another level? And that's what we have been looking at in this series. There was something that Paul said. Paul said that, you know, when he found me faithful, he committed to me a ministry. And that's an important point for us to bear in mind. So that's what we've been looking at. Now, what I want to talk about today now is what I've been saying I'll do for some time is to remind us of how we wait for God. Because that is a major problem with Christians. How to wait. Waiting is a major problem. That was where Saul missed it. Waiting is a major problem. I've thought on this again and again, written a number of articles on it. Waiting is a problem. It's something we must learn how to do. We must learn it. Waiting for God can be hard. Let's be, let's get it, I mean, let's be real about it. It is necessary. It is something that we must do. God will not say because it is hard, we are excused from doing it. That's the real test of faith. Whether your faith is genuine or not, is shown in whether you are willing to wait. Okay? We, we, we all know the story of Samuel and Saul. When Samuel said to Saul that Saul should wait, Saul waited. Saul waited until the last day. He missed it by just one hour. Maximum two. As soon as he was done with offering the sacrifice, Samuel showed up. Seven days he had waited. Now, get my point. How many hours do you have in one day? So 24 times 7, that's what he has waited, minus one or two hours. So the man who waited for almost a hundred hours or more, no, that's over a hundred hours now, I mean, what am I talking about? Almost 150. All right, someone that waited for that length, he missed his breakthrough because he lost it out in the last um, one or two hours. Please bear that in mind. And that's one thing we believers must bear in mind. And why did Saul get tired? It was simply because things began to fall apart. The Philistines were about to come upon him. Things were about to fall apart. The people were deserting him. The people that trusted him decided that he didn't know what to do. That you're not a good leader. We're following you because you're supposed to be our king. Things began to fall apart. Then he forced himself according to him and did what he did. Now, Samuel came in and said, you have acted foolishly. It was a test. I don't know what I get my point. Samuel said it was a test. He said, today God will have established your kingdom. But now it's been taken away from you. That means it was a specific test. They wanted to see whether he would wait to the end. They wanted to see what was more important to him, pleasing God or pleasing men. I hope you're getting my point here. It was a test. And that was why God took away his kingdom. The man failed that test. And let, let's never forget it. Waiting as is an important thing. People wait. All right? Are, people often lose it when they are waiting. Abraham lost it a bit also. When they agreed to go in um, to the council, go with the council of um, um, Sarah, it was because of a bit of weariness of the flesh in waiting. And then the, the problem is still with us till today. A man of faith, he got tired. And that's why we must learn how to wait. And that's why I keep teaching on it once in a while. We're talking about being lifted by God. It can be tiring. When God's, you are saying God will lift you, but he's not. <laughs> are you getting my point? It's so important we get this point. How do we, what, how do we handle it? Remember, God is always just. What he's doing is testing the genuineness of faith. Those who really believe that God will lift them, there is a way they react to things. Abraham believed it. For that reason, even when he had the opportunity to become rich through the legitimate method of warfare at that time, he neglected, he rejected it. Why? He said, because I know God is going to make me rich. And I do not want you to say, I made Abraham rich. I don't want us to confuse the source of this thing. So he let it go. 
So these things are a test of what we are really looking for in life. Let me say something. Be careful where you set your eyes. Let me say this clearly. I need to say it clearly. Many people are being trapped these days. I'll say it clearly. Many people are being trapped. All this migration, no migration, for many people is pure traps. I just, somebody forwarded something to me, um, you know, that written by a man who, who's lived abroad for a very long time. He's not a young person at all. He's been in his 50s, you know. And he said, he sees Nigerians running up and down. He said, what are they looking for? He said, if you go to England, it's only one child and his family that lives comfortably. It was a joke, you know, you know, you know, the child he's talking about. He said, everybody everywhere, because he was looking at it, that, look, there's a trend that people are rushing over to Canada now, North America and all of that. So he, he watched the trend. He lives abroad. And he said, what is wrong with these people? What do you think you are going to get when you get here? He said, let, he said, the one that annoys him is those who are settled in Nigeria. They will put themselves and come and join the back of the queue where they are coming to. He said, no, this man lives abroad. He's not somebody who has not been there. He analyzed it for people. Uh-uh. He wrote a very long one. Think well. They don't tell you the whole truth. Let me add many things to I've heard from here and there. Like one of our brothers said, he said, they, he said, they don't tell you the whole truth. You only hear one side of it. The road is good. What else is good? Power is constant. Meanwhile, you are not manufacturing anything. That's what irritates me when I see jobless people saying power is not constant. If you are not Dangote, you are not innocent. Who has manufacturers around us here? If you are not one of these people, please stop, op- just stop opening your mouth and telling us the rubbish that power is not. What are you doing with it? It's not fine you want to blow. That's all. It's fine. What else do you want? The, f- the only thing that I know that, you, that matters to you is fine. Is a freezer. What's your problem with freezer? If you don't have freezer, you rearrange your cooking style. Am I lying? No, let's wake up. No, you see, let me tell you something. Eh? If you don't set the right things in front of you, you will always be deceived. The only antidote, the only thing that protects you from the deception of human beings and deception of Satan is to set the right things in front of you. There is no wisdom. There is a book I read some time ago. Not in a very long time. It's a book on marriage. I can't remember this exact title, but let me just give my own to it. There are 200 questions to, to ask before you say I do. I read through many of those questions and I laughed. I said, if you ask, if you answer these 200 questions, there will be a 201st one that will put you into trouble. On well, Southern Ecclesiastes, I explained something. That Solomon said, there is a woman whose heart is a snare and whose hands are trapped, something like that. He said, the one who is pleasing to God will escape, but the sinner will be what? Enticed. Now, remember what I said that time? That that woman is not just a woman. I explained that life has traps. That there is no way you can defend yourself from the traps of life. Because if you learn 10, by the time everybody has learned to defend themselves from 10, 11th one will show up. I hope you're getting my point. The only reason why many of us do not fall for this, for these uh, 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 scams and all of that is because we have heard them so much, and that is what worries some of us. That uh, where are you? Where were you when they were scamming other people? You should have known that these things are scams. I mean, I still remember the first time that day I went into, I went to a bank. My wife was waiting for me inside the car, so I left my phone inside the car. When I came out, she was smiling. I said, "What is fun? Why are you so happy?" She showed me that I had won a prize. She, a text message dropped on my phone. Congratulations, you have won a 20... That, that, there was all these flask things were not here that time. A 29-inch, 20, you know, TV was box, of course. You know, and this and this and this and that. She was happy. But I came, I saw it, 
I said, don't worry, it's a scam. I said, do you know? Now, what am I saying so? It was new. It was new that time. How did I know it was a scam? I can't even remember. I said, don't mind them, it's a scam. I just deleted the text message. I said, they are scammers. So she learned that one. That, that was her first experience with it. I, I hope you're getting my point. After a while, it became normal. If you get a text message now from somebody saying you want something, you delete it. You don't even think. Even if it's genuine, you still delete it. <laughs> and of course, you don't, there's no risk. You didn't, you didn't play the game. How can you win what you did not play? You didn't go to Olympics, 100 meters, they sent you gold medal. If you collect it, you're a criminal. <laughs> now, what am I going to say? So you see, they came up with those scams. Then we got used to them. Are you getting my point? Then they always, they, they come up with new ones. As you get used to the old ones, they bring up new ones. And you can't be that wise. You can't be. When they send you, click on this link, you need to update your, your, your email, all of that. You know, some, some of us never could fall for those things. Not because we're too smart, but because we read the law, we hear of all those kind of things. So we became edgy. So the moment they started, so when I hear people, I hear several, I hear several people that lost their email, you know, addresses because they filled it in. And if you, let me tell you something, just by the way, they use this thing to collect email passwords from top level security officials in China, in, in Russia, in US. They use it in those countries before it became common. But then after they've used it, a number of people, we learned. Now, where am I going out of this talk? New ones keep coming up. Life is full of what? Traps. So you can never be wise enough. When you are doing I too know, I too know, I take it. You know what they call ITK? It's people like you that fall into the ditch. So Solomon said, but the one who fears God will be delivered. Who is pleasing to God. When you hear what some people have gone through, you want to say, how could you be that stupid? There are some like that. But there are some in which they were not stupid. They did everything right. So I tell Christians, the solution is what? Set the right thing in front of you. If you're a believer and you still think this gospel by obeying the keys of prosperity and learning to pray the right prayers and learning how to listen to your spirit. Now, these are the things I've heard people say. You learn how to listen to your spirit because there was one man Ken Hagin told us about. He listens to his spirit until... He became a multi-millionaire. So many people started listening to their spirits. Is this investment good or it is bad? Mm, my spirit said it is good. Why? That man's testimony. Some said, no, before I do any investment, I pray. I pray. I water it with prayer. I pray in tongues for one hour. And the man giving you this testimony. He's a multi-millionaire. Counting in dollars, he has scores of millions. You two, you want to follow. There is a power of connection. Hallelujah. Connection. Knowing the right people to network with. And the man telling you this one, he's a multi-millionaire counting in dollars. And a Christian. Listen to me, you will follow. One day one man was giving a testimony somewhere where I was. That day I was so angry. I wasn't angry at his testimony. Was, he said, look, as I'm giving these people this offering, I will soon report to you what he produced. That this one million, he knows how it works with him. The one brother, now the next time I was hearing him preach, I was embarrassed. He said after that one, he said, God, 
I want to connect with their speed. That because normally when he sows his own seed, it takes one year, two years. He doesn't know whether the seed don't die or the seed is still alive. Another man is sowing his own first Sunday of uh, November. By the last Sunday of November, it has done a hundredfold. Please, can I beg you? Don't believe all those gist. They don't work like that. Though. He himself does not know how. When did we see you and we took you in? Those are the questions that are vital in life. Oh. Nobody knows that this was the seed that is so lying. Oh. The widow of Zarephath gave to Elijah is not true. The one that produced for her, Elijah was not there. I don't know what I get my point. He said, but she gave to Elijah. I keep on saying, ask what brought Elijah there. I think Elijah was lost, just parambulating. Any widow I find. Any widow I find. No. Elijah had the address. Go to Zarephath. You know what God said? I have commanded a widow there to take care of you. There were not two. One. That anointing was like the oil with Samuel. It was going to the head of David. Please, stop deceiving yourself. That that woman gave one offering and her life changed. She did not give one offering and her life changed. Read the whole story. Why did Elijah travel to her door? It's the first question you should ask before you now want to carry one last offering. If you've given all your last offering, your life is still like this. Some people give out their old car, thinking God will multiply. They've been trekking for three years. Anyway, God has multiplied. All the kekes are now your own. Some people have given out offering, waiting for God to multiply it. And they are wondering. Some, they wanted to start the foundation of a house. Somebody said, if you give that money as seed, the house will be complete in six months. That was six years ago. The house is still on the same spot. Do you know why? God is faithful. Somebody say amen. amen. The reason is simply because the widow of Zarephath's story they told you was not like that. You forgot the part of how did Elijah get to her door. Go and settle that one first. I'm not going to teach that now. Go and read it in my book. That's, that's the single reason I wrote Great Faith Can Be Yours. Read that book. Now, back to what I was trying to say. So you book up all of these things. But they never get anything. Do you know why? That day, that brother was there. I want to connect with their speed. How come they sow their seed in the morning by night? It has multiplied. I need to connect with their speed. Ah! Let's leave it. Nobody has any speed. Amen? Don't bother yourself. I've told you most of the stories they tell you they are not true. A, a lie, and I'm not saying the people are lying. I don't know. Please, I hope you're getting my point. I'm not saying they are lying. It's just that he himself does not know how. If you ask the widow of Zarephath, let me, I need to sit on it for a moment. If you ask the widow of Zarephath, how did you get food that multiplied like this? You know what she said? You know what she will tell you? Ah, my sister, I was here one day. I went to go and pick um, some firewood. Then I saw one man looking hungry and thirsty. He said, Madam, please. He begged me for water. I was about to get the water. He said, I should bring food with which I will drink the water. That's when I told him that, please, oh, sir, the food I have, now, please, listen to how I'm going to tell the story. So I told him, sir, the food I have is just enough for two. That's the one I want to make. After that, I don't know what, what, when, where else the next meal will come from because I've checked everything. What I expect, just like our neighbors who have died, 
me too, me and my son will die. Then the man say, said to me, oh, my sister, he said, thus is the Lord, that you will not die. The food will not finish. And you believed him? <laughs> what else will I do? I really didn't believe him totally. I won't, I won't lie to you. I wasn't so sure. But he was so hungry, I felt sorry for him. I'm not used to people that age being that hungry. So I gave him my portion. I can't give anybody my son's portion. What I'm telling you is what happened. So I took my own portion and gave to him. Why? My sister, if you saw him that day, you too, you will pity him. Why did she give to Elijah? I am convinced it was because Elijah was hungry. And you know what the other woman said to her? Hmm? Mama, I cannot say they do. That was how the other time we came to your house for a meeting. You said you saw some strangers passing. You used all the food we'll have eaten. You gave to them. You had to go back to the market. Are you getting my point? It was her habit. It was not the first time. It was her habit. That was the reason she could believe Elijah. Now you see where I'm going. I know where I began from. If you think I'm confused, I'm not confused. I know where I began from. I know where I'm going. So the other widows, you know what happens to them? They pack their food and start looking for any prophet. If I, they come to her house, Mama, how now? Where is that prophet that stays with you people? They now come. Huh. Reverend Elijah, good afternoon, sir. As I was praying this morning, my spirit said I should bring you this bread. And you know what Elijah will do? He will collect. He will bless her. God bless you. He will eat, give to the other woman's son, and then say, hey, any word for, for, for us, sir? Yes, we shall be well with you in Jesus' name. She will go back home. And the bread will not multiply. And that one will come. So this is all is about to finish. Come and greet Elijah. Good afternoon, sir. As I was just passing, I just said, maybe I should give you something. Let me just give you this one. You know what will happen? Elijah will collect. Now you see where I'm going. She never said what she would receive in front of her eyes. So she received abundance. But those who want to copy her, they can't have that spirit. Their own spirit is that, ah, nah, once you drop this last meal, bros, we don't hammer. So a pastor will stand in front of you. Today I'm, I have a special anointing upon my head. And that anointing is called the last meal offering. And today I'm going to collect somebody's last meal, so your bank account. And at the end of the year, you are going to see that God will have done. You've been there. What happened? Nothing. Do you know why? It's not the prophet's fault. It is your fault. You set what you will gain in front of your eyes. Once what you will gain is set in front of you, you will be deceived. Somebody will steal your money. Life is full of traps. What you set in front of you is the protection. Back to where I began from. People are running up and that man wrote that article. He said, why are Nigerians running up and that? He said, the one that pays him is people who have established where they are back in their country. Then they uproot themselves and come over to join the back of a queue. He said that he doesn't get it. He said, in case you don't know, everybody where you are going, they struggle every month to balance their books too. Like one brother said, I was going to quote him. He said, the other side of the story is never told to you. 
So I say to Christians, what is the only defense so that you won't be trapped needlessly? It's simple. Have the pleasure of God. Have purpose in your mind. Stop running up and down like the average person. What shall we eat? What shall we drink? With what shall we clothe ourselves? Just remove those things from your eyes. You'll be amazed. God will deliver you from all kinds of traps. Why are you going to all of that? I was explaining that, listen, waiting for God is hard for people. So how do you wait for God? It's the same principle. Set something else in front of your eyes. Stop setting Stop, that means stop setting the reward. Stop setting the uplifting in front of your eyes. If I do this for long enough, God will now promote me. So every day I do it, I'm looking for promotion. And that makes the doing of it difficult. It's a hope that is deferred, makes the heart sick or faint. The righteous heart too, it also gets what? Faint. So what do you do? Make sure your hope can never be deferred. Make sure your hope can never be delayed. Say, how can my hope not be delayed when I have not received what I'm looking for? Start looking for something else. Read my article, Join the Holy Spirit. Learn what to rejoice in. Learn to rejoice in what is important. Stop saying that. When we do long, this one long enough, one day, money will come. No, don't wait for the money. Whether it comes or not is his personal problem, not yours. Don't wait for that day to come. Make sure every day there is something that is making you happy. Every day. I hope you are getting my point. Make sure every day something else is making you happy. Not this one. That, that is why Christians backslide. That's why they backslide. I thought about it. How can God, think about this. How can God do the miracles he did in Egypt? How is it possible that after doing all of those things, some people still doubt him? I've thought about it. People will be worshipping other gods. Why? Bow down to crazy images. Why? You know the simple reason? I'll tell you. It's always hope deferred. They have served God. If you go to that Malachi, you know what they said? Hmm. To what f- Let me read it properly so that you get their words. You see the frustration of people. Mark chapter 3, you see verse 13. He said, your words have been arrogant against me, says the Lord. Yet you say, what have we spoken against you? The Lord answered in verse 14, you have said, it is vain to serve God. Are you seeing that? And what profit is it that we have kept his charge? And that we have walked in mourning before the Lord of hosts. So now we call the arrogant blessed. Not only are the doers of wickedness built up, but they also test God and escape. Are you seeing that? That was why people started serving other gods. That was the reason they started serving other gods. They were frustrated. They saw that people who were obeying God were not making the kind of progress that those who were disobeying were making. You told the truth, told the truth, told the truth. Those who were telling lies got the job. Interview, you say, I cannot tell lies. I must tell the truth. I'm a Christian. And you felt that they will answer you. When they finish, you know your guy, they gave the job. The Bobo can lie. Everything he told them during that interview was a lie. You wanted to go for a course abroad, you know, went to apply for a visa. You told them the whole truth, believing that, ah, you've heard Pastor Banky's testimony. You've heard this other person's testimony. You went there, told the whole truth. Mom, denied. Don't come back for two years. And now your friend who got the visa to go for the same course. See, you are not sharp. That's the problem with you Christians. 
And he does it. Look, that has happened to you like three, four times now. That was, what, that was what was happening in Israel. So that people who had the testimony of God still served other gods. Because of that gods, <laughs> they don't make demand of righteousness. You say, oh, you want breakthrough? Yes. Put something down. Put, bring a goat. Just bow down, bow down to that stick. That's all. You bow down to a piece of wood. You pray to God for five years. What God did not do in five years, the wood did it in five minutes. But I'm about to say it's not a joke. Pastors have joined cults so that church can grow. Because this is how you've been preaching righteousness. School fees time, you're struggling. You're preaching righteousness. To pay rent now, you're struggling to pay. You've been preaching righteousness. Ten years preaching, church never grow past 50 people on Sunday when you're doing special program. Special program. Then somebody starts yesterday. And he starts explaining to you. Let me tell you something, another thing. Bear this in mind. They don't come with very much evil initially. Initially, they won't even tell you to do anything. They'll just say, give me your pulpit. Let me help you. Then your friend will stand on your own pulpit and lie for you. Guess what? You see instant results. When he finishes lying for you, you pay your school fees, your children's school fees, you pay house rent, church rent. Ah. So next time, you know what you do? You call him back. Then after a while, he, you two, you learn how to do it, then you sear your conscience. The defense against all these things is what I'm talking about. Keep your eyes somewhere else. Enjoy things like, my patience is stronger. Enjoy things like, I have now learned a man's life does not consist in the abundance of things which he possesses. Rejoice each moment that that decision I made pleased the Lord. How do you know? It's written like that in scriptures. You went for the interview. Rejoice that despite the fact that you needed the job, nobody could pressure you to lie. Can't you see the way the, the apostles were rejoicing? What they rejoiced over? We were beating for the sake of Christ. That was what they rejoiced over. That, did you collect trashing? Have you ever been beating for Jesus before? No. That thing. This guy never entered ministry. Where do you preach? Where they give you offering in dollar and pounds? Oh, you are just starting. We, we have preached so much that the only thing we had to eat was to set trap at night for that. And you'll be looking and say, eh? Why you not preach that one? See, why are you preaching? Yeah, I'm in, I'm in Lagos. Ah, that's why now. Follow us to the jungle. Those who understand real things, eh? They'll go and buy boots. Say, but when is that people going? Say, ah, you have never slept on the background? In preaching the gospel? Say, no. I sleep on spring bed. In fact, they don't put fresh linen on it when I go to, when I go for invitation. I don't sleep. Were you the one that told me, by a man of God, that he arrived at the airport, they drove car to carry him. He said, is this the car they used to carry him? He said, he's going back to where he came from. Yes. He was at the airport. Church invited him. They arrived. In a car. He said, I don't enter cars. Go and get me an SUV. And he stood there. Go and bring the SUV. I know the size of my car. I can't come to your city and be entering this kind of car. We don't know when we crawl into these things. Those men rejoiced that they were beaten for preaching. Francois Leoke, many years ago, 
But 25 years ago, he came to my church when I was the house officer to preach. My first time of meeting him close. And he explained why he entered into ministry. That Well, how he got the call really into ministry. It was anger. What was the anger? He and his friends would go to rural areas. They were students at the University of Ife, now Obafemi Aolo University. So they would, during the holiday, they would go to rural areas to go and preach. And they were like three or four. During the day, they would make the platform, you know, cut, go enter the bush, cut wood, build the platform in a school, in a school playground that they are going to use. And then in the evening, they go around inviting people. They do, you know, they, they were walking. They would pray the whole night. So after they've done that for like two, three days, they all gathered that, hey, the way we are going, we can't preach. We built the platform, we did the praying, and did the going around the village to invite people. So somebody should please go to town and go and call one particular preacher to come and do the preaching that we, we have done every other thing. We have built the platform, we have done publicity. We have, we have prayed. You just come and preach. And do you know where they were sleeping? Why did I tell you they were doing the program? Grounds of his school. So you know where they were sleeping? Inside the classrooms. <laughs> you think everybody looking in the same direction? Looking for the same thing? They thought so. So they went to town, called the man. The man arrived. <coughs> Carrying a jacket. <laughs> they had a suit in the case. So, ah, welcome, sir. Welcome, sir. So he said to them, where is he going to stay? He had not crossed their mind that they should make. So they showed him the corner of the classroom that he stayed. <laughs> He said, the man asked, where will I hang my suit? <laughs> he said, they were surprised, like, hang your suit. So while they were watching, the man turned around and left. While Leoki said, he was so heartbroken, he just went straight into the bush to go and weep. And he told the Lord, please, just empower me. I don't know whether you're getting the point. Just empower me. This is the only thing I'll ever do, since you can't find people to do it. As soon as he graduated from school, it just, it wasn't like the Lord called him, my son, my son. It was like, God, I know you don't have people. The other man wanted to hang his suit. (laughs) What am I saying? Let's learn to rejoice in some things. Rejoice in the fact that, listen, you know, you maybe. You saved up money, you wanted to buy a car. A good car is good, amen? Oh, a very good, a good one is very good. If you sit in a good one, you feel good. But do you know there's greater joy that you were about to buy one? You heard that the door just opened in one particular area that's been difficult to the gospel. And they need men to go in. So they came to you to look for what? Money. So you took that money and you gave to them, postponing your car ownership in your heart for two years. Then when you start hearing the testimonies, ah, you know, you'll be reading the news. Nobody's, you know, listen, nobody, may you learn to give to people who don't even know it's you that gave the money. So you collect newspaper and you are reading. Maybe one church bulletin. They tell you about breakthrough in a particular area. And your mind, that's my money. One, one brother told me a very funny thing one day. He says, I hope you don't mind though. He said, once you give somebody a lift. And the person was playing a message on the phone. And he heard his Pastor Banky. Are you getting my point? So he didn't tell the person that he knew me. He just said, ah, who's that? Oh, he says one pastor. Ah, he the, was a young woman. The lady started telling him a lot of things about that he could learn if he listened to Pastor Banky. In a faraway place, not near here. Very far from here. Very, very far. In Nigeria anyway. 
He, saw, he said he kept on driving. He didn't say anything. When they got to where he wanted to drop the lady, the lady came down, told the lady bye-bye. <laughs> he didn't tell her that, don't worry, he's my friend. Now, this is where I'm going. He says, I hope you don't mind, though. He said, I said to myself, my money is working. Because he gives to the ministry. He said, I said to myself, my money is working. He didn't tell the lady anything. That lady, you know, she downloads into her phone. She did all the talking. He just kept on smiling. Dropped her off and said to himself, praise God, my money is working. I don't know whether you get my point. That is, if you have to trek to get that kind of testimony, God said what? Rejoice in such things. You know, the other day, we did something, all right, in Kingdom World here. I just said, ah, I was talking to my wife. Now, I've not come harassing you for money. Eh? There are people like that that I, I harass them for money. One day you will join. Somebody say amen. amen. So, I was just about to, you know, we did something. I went to, about to pay. I just told my wife, I said, ah, why should we pay for this? Let me call this brother now. My wife said, what? So I called him. No, I, I chatted him up. I said, oh, but how now? He said, fine, sir. I greeted him. I said, by the way, this greeting is not honest, though. I want to ask you for money for two things. He said, what are they? I told him the first one. He said, no problem, sir. He wired the money immediately. Oh, next morning, he wired the money. He said, what about the second one? I said, ah, we're helping some people build a church somewhere. He said, how much should I give, sir? I said, I'm not sure. I said, anything you like. He said, okay, let me know the budget so I can scale what I will give. I said, I will get back to you. I've not gotten back to him yet because Bishop has not given me the budget yet. It's, so I just told my wife, I said, ah. I said, that's how I handled this, my brother. Do you know, after doing that to him, you know what I did next? I found out next time. I was just reading, you know, proofreading a book that we're about to publish, one of our articles that were published before. And I got an illustration I saw there. I said, which one, who is a better friend? Listen to this. Listen to this. You are in your house. You got a phone call. Hi, Israel. I did. Your friend's calling. Oh, boy. Bring 50K. Within three weeks, it's going to be 150. Legit. We are not stealing. You will come and work. Then you invest 50,000. And after three weeks, it became 150,000. Is that a good friend or a bad friend? A good friend. Praise God. Next question is this. What if the same friend called you and said, Oh, boy. Bring 50K. There are some hungry people who want to feed. What am I getting? Nothing. We want to make you poor. Bring the 50,000. To the natural human being, who's the better friend? The first one. To the Christian, according to the word of the Lord Jesus, who is the better friend? The second one. Why? It's more blessed to give than to receive. Because it is more blessed to give than to receive. So that day, so I, I, I told my wife, I said, can, I said, can you see? I'm a better friend to this brother than other people. I called him because I said, I have two things I want you to give to. And he said, no problem, sir. How much? I told him, he wired that first one immediately. He said, what about the second one? I said, I'll get back to you. Let me give you the estimate. That is a good, are you getting my point? What is he going to get? You know me, I don't promise anything to anybody. You're a true believer. That process should make you happy. What I do for such people, once in a while, I just show you what your money is doing. I don't know whether you get the point. Enjoy that. I just show you what your money is doing. That's what that brother said that day. He said, 
He told himself, he said, sir, I hope you don't mind. I said, what is it? He said, I said, my money is working. Christians, learn to take joy. You know, the problem is that we have been taught wrongly to rejoice. Say, praise the Lord, I have a testimony. I gave 10,000 naira, and one week it became became 100,000. That's it. We rejoice. Ah, just one week, brethren, this thing works. Listen, we are behaving like worldly people. The Bible says Jesus will see the travail, the result of the travail of his soul, and he will be satisfied. That is, he will see that he has delivered you and delivered me. And for him, that is satisfaction. So if you are never going to get weary of doing good, if you are never going to get weary of waiting, if you are never going to get weary of you know, God taking time to do some things in your life, ask yourself, what else can I focus on every day that will give me joy? True joy. True joy. Joy that endures. The Lord is good. I said the Lord is good. Now, so that's what I'm trying to get into. All right? Just using all of these things to, I'm sorry to say, I'm not lying, to preamble. All right? Now, let's open our Bibles. Have we read anything today? Psalm 37. Let's read Psalm 37. We are going to read um, a long portion. Let's start from um, around the beginning. Just to save time, I'll start from verse uh, 3. Okay, no, let's start from verse 1. Let's start from verse 1. Do not fret because of evildoers. Be not envious toward wrongdoers. For they will wither quickly like the grass... And fade like the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and cultivate faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to him. Trust also in him and he will do it. He will bring forth your righteousness as a light. And your judgment as a noonday. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret because of him who prospers in his way, because of the man who carries out wicked schemes. Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Do not fret, it leads only to evil doing. For evil doers will be cut off, but those who wait for the Lord, they will inherit the land. That's why I want to stop reading. Okay, let's just read up to verse 11. Yet a little while, and the wicked man will be no more. And you will look carefully for his place, and they will not be there. But the humble will inherit the land and will delight themselves in abundant prosperity. I want to start today by explaining something. Now, let me start like this. I want to explain something very important. I feel strongly in my heart I should explain it to people. First, we all know that the Bible says, for time's sake, we won't open to it, but it says, why the earth remains, seed time and harvest will not cease. The Bible says, he that watches the wind will not sow. And he said, he that observes the clouds will not reap. Now, that tells us something. Life has two seasons, basically. There is seed time and what? Harvest. Now, if you go and read Mark chapter 4, it talks about the parable of the, um, the sower. Well, different parables there. He said, the kingdom of God is like the seed that a man plants in the earth. Let's just quickly read that one. I think it's important. Mark chapter 4. That one is important. We'll read it. Verse 26. And it was saying, the kingdom of God is like a man who casts seed upon the soil. And he goes to bed at night 
and gets up by day. And the seed grows and sprouts, how he himself does not know. The soil produces crops by itself. First the blade, then the head, then the mature grain in the head. But when the crop permits, he immediately puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. Please note that point. When the crop permits, or when the crop is ready, he immediately puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. There's a reason why I read this. you see it in a moment. Life has how many seasons? Two seasons. One of the major problems of life, especially young people, they don't realize this. Life has two seasons. One reason why we may struggle in life is simply because we are doing the work of harvest time in the time of seed. That point is important. It's possible for many people that they are doing the work of harvest time in the time of what? Seed. They have the expectation of the harvest man in the time of seed planting. This is very important for us to understand it. You can go out to work. Now, natural things don't tell this to people. That is, when we are going around in life, we may not know. So, you see a man who supposedly has broken through. So, we start learning the process by which this man supposedly broke through. I hope you get my point. So, and I listen to another thing. People, because they are not spiritual, they will never be able to tell you how they sow their seeds. When people who God has blessed want to give their testimonies, as a rule, unless they have been taught, they can only testify of the work of harvest. Did you hear what I said? Go and read that Ecclesiastes chapter 11. I quoted from it. Solomon said, He that watches the wind will do what? Will not sow. He now said, He that observes the cloud will also will do what? Will not reap. Now, what I want to bring out from there is that Solomon told us clearly, and we can easily understand it, that there's work to do in the time of seed sowing. True or false? And the fact that you have sowed seeds does not mean the harvest will come into your house. What do you need to do time of harvest? Eh? You will go back to the field and go and harvest. So the man who is sowing and the man who is harvesting, both of them, they work. True or false? In fact, if we are to isolate only the time of seed and only the time of harvest, who does more work? Let's think for, no, just think about it. Who does more work? The one who's sowing or the one that's harvesting? We are divided. Yeah, okay. Some say sowing, some say harvesting. Well, let's think about it for a moment. Is the harvesting person the way I see it? Because if you want to, for example, rice, when they are planting rice, it's called broadcasting. That's what they do. Am I right? But how do they harvest? That's, let's assume everything is manual. If we're to compare the mechanical one, we also do two mechanicals. But generally look at it. If you want to, that is you're isolating on just the sowing time. The man sowing and the man harvesting, they both do the same work. Now somebody may say, but they have to prepare the land. The man who harvested too has to process the seed after. <laughs> Are you getting my point? So, so let's just limit to what? The sowing and the harvesting. So you actually see the man who is harvesting may appear to be doing a little more work than the man who is sowing. Now, in life, it's also like that. The man is, who is harvesting also works. I hope you get the point. The work is really a little bit more. But let's just make it easy. No, just to make it easy for ourselves. The difference is not so much. Are you getting my point? I just think that the harvesting was a little bit more. But let's just, to make it easy to explain this, let's assume they are doing about the same amount of work. I want you to understand something. 
the man who is harvesting is working, but is bringing something home. But the man who is sowing is working and is bringing nothing home. If you ask the man who is harvesting, all right, how did you get your results? He will tell you the principles of harvest. That's all he knows. We are talking about life now. Now, most people, therefore, when they write the stories of their lives, they tell the stories of harvest. How they sowed their first, they invested money here, and they did this one, and it grew. They almost, they rarely, no, let, let me not say almost never, people rarely tell you the story of seed. Because in real time, things in life, they don't even know. Spiritual seeds are sown when people don't know. They don't even know they are sowing a seed. What we, most books we read is the stories of people's harvests. And that's why generally they are difficult to replicate. So, you see a man, let's go back to the farm now. He comes back with a load of corn. You now say to him, how did you get this amount of corn? He says to you, you will leave the house early in the morning. Take a sickle in your hand. Don't be tired. Get into the farm. Any corn you grab, cut it. Don't bend down. Keep the basket on your back. Throw the corn inside. Any corn you grab, once you grab a corn, you cut it. You throw it in the basket. And as he's preaching, you know what's happening? People are jumping. He said, people, that was what I did. In one year, I made a million dollars. People and young people have gone crazy, excited. Then they all get, get out, go and buy what? Sickle. And they head for the farm. Except that they get there, they say, what are we supposed to cut? <laughs> Say, cut the corn, cut the corn. He said, bros, that's why we came. Show me the corn now. They say, okay, look at corn. They cut the corn and somebody ties them, put them in police station for stealing. Why? That was somebody else's farm. What I've told is the reality of life. Most people who are laboring and they are not seeing anything, you know what they don't understand? They are in the time of seed. Now you're going to ask me, how do I know the time of harvest? I'll, I'll give you a simple answer. You can't. That is, you can't ahead. You only discover you're in the time of harvest when the same amount of effort you were putting in before and was bringing nothing home. You put the same effort in now and it's bringing a lot home. That is harvest season. That's why once in a while you hear me pray, I'll say to people that the same effort you put in before and it got only a thousand air. In the name of Jesus, from now it gets you a million. The same effort. What am I saying? That word goes to those who are in their have, about to step into their harvest season. You will do the same thing you were doing before. Nothing different or little different. And then this time around, it produces much more. That is how you know you are in harvest season. You don't determine it. So Solomon said, what do you do? He says, sow your seed, what? In the morning. At night, keep on sowing your seed. This is the principle behind it. Just assume this is what God expects from you in life. Assume all the time you are in the time of seed. Many people don't understand it. That what is actually happening, why they seem to be struggling, is that they are just in the time of seed. Nothing is wrong with them. They are in the time of seed. They, listen to me. Let me say something to you quickly. Remember we said that we should make up our minds to walk by grace. Amen? Amen. If you are part of those who, are, who have made up his or her mind, that we are going to walk by grace. If you are one of them, say amen. Amen. Please say that amen only if you are sure that you are willing to walk with God so that he will lead you up by grace. If you are like that, give me an amen. Amen. It's important you bear that in mind. These are the people I'm talking to. 
They are the ones I'm explaining this principle to. I hope you're following me. They are the ones I'm talking to. For people like that, you just assume that you are in what? Seed time. Because what happens when harvest season comes? The same thing we were doing before. You won't even do anything differently. Except that this time around, it produces much more. I hope you're getting my point here. So what am I supposed to do? Solomon says, sow your seed in the morning. At night, don't get tired of sowing your seed. That is the principle that people of grace walk by. They constantly are sowing their seed. So that by the time it switches to the effort of harvest, they only discover it, all right? What they are doing now, instead of taking from them, is actually giving more to them, much more than they are putting in. Then they will say, by the grace of God, I am what I am. Why are they saying this is the grace of God? He said, no. He said, how did you do it? He said, bros, this same thing I did now. I did it five years ago. Nothing. Because if it's just to do that, many people have done this and nothing happened. I too did it for years and nothing happened. Please, you are getting the principle. When people don't understand it, they get discouraged. That's what I said at the beginning. Find something, you know, to derive joy from when you are working. Find something to derive joy from when you are putting your effort. I like there's one man, I, you know, I got a quote. He said that, I remember what he said, but I'm going to get it right, right. Anyway, he said the most important thing a man gets for his effort is not what he gets per se, he said, but what he becomes by it. That whatever you are doing in life, what is more, the most important return is not what you get materially, but what you do what? What you become. I hope you're getting my point. He said that's the most important thing. What you what become. Because there are so many lessons in life that we must learn. There are so many. And these lessons cannot be learned from the pages of a book. Some you will learn from reading. But most of them you will learn from experience. A lot you will learn from the book. But it will not print into your mind except experience comes up. Robert, Robert is actually like this. That you do an investment, you do business. He said, you can lose money, but you must never lose the lesson. I don't know whether you're getting the point. He said, you can lose money, but you must never lose the lesson. Now, what is he trying to say? I'm, I'm trying to amplify what that man said. That it's not what we get that matters. It's what we become in the process. And it's one of the things that Christians must bear in mind, those who are planning to walk by grace. That every day, I'm going out, I'm doing something. I should not, fo- I should not focus on what I am getting, but on what I'm what? Becoming. I'll give an example, which is a very important thing I should bring in my, uh, we should put down here. Last time we talked about what? Gifts. There are things that Jesus will come and ask us about. We talked about that. We explained that we are preparing for his exam. And there are things that he's watching. One of the things we talked about is what? Gifts. That is, abilities that he gave to us. He took a man like Bezalel and he gave him the skill to be able to make artistic design. Are you getting my point? Now, I want you to bear something in mind. I like one thing one of our brothers said some, some time ago. He said, gifts are given. Are you getting my point? He said, but skills are developed. Have you heard that thing before? That they can, you can have a gift, but it only becomes a skill. How? Through repeated use. And one thing I found out that God likes skills. I hope you know God is interested in skill. God is very interested in skill. He's a God of excellence. Can I take a small digression? Whatever you are doing in life, before you start thinking about, am I going to make money, ask yourself, how excellent have I become? I don't know what I hear what I said. Before you ask yourself, how much money am I making? 
Ask yourself, how excellent am I becoming? Did you hear what I said? Let me tell you another thing. That in that process. That is why <laughs> some people, they want to, maybe you want to learn a trade. Maybe you want to learn how to make clothes or you want to learn how to make furniture or you want to learn how to paint houses, design something. And you go and look at those who already do, are doing it plenty and they are making money. And you are checking how they are making their money. Let me just say this from the beginning. You have missed the plan of God. What did I say? You have missed the plan of God. God has a plan and you have missed it. The first thing you should check is what? How did they become this good? I don't know whether you're getting my point. How did this man that made this thing become this good? You know, look at those who build houses and all of that. I remember when we first moved here some time ago, we had to do some work. You understand? This many years ago. The guys who installed the windows at the back over there. I still remember the day the guy was dressing the window. I stood I was looking at him like, are you a surgeon? I don't know whether you're getting my point. The guy will spray water and run his hand. You know, he will run that. His, what do they call that thing they use? Huh? Foam? Huh? Okay. Yeah, the only one that seemed to know. Okay, yes, Trowell. Okay, we're going to use... Okay, he said Trowell is different, so I'll go with him. I don't know how he knows his own way. Do the stuff like that. It's good. He said that... The, what do you call it? Rob. The guy would take the rub. He would go like this. There's a way he would do it. I stood. I remember that I was looking at him. He's a Ghanaian. All right? He was... The, the way the guy was plastering this window. Ah, I've seen some boys do that work. In fact, the guy who did the last portion, I was looking for that guy. That when I catch you, when I catch you, <laughs> the Lord is good. Now, you see where I'm going, all of this I'm saying. All right? You know what, what we're supposed to focus on, first of all, is what? Skill. God is interested in skill. He's interested in skill. If you start that kind of thing, before you start checking how much money you make, the first thing you should be checking is, how can I become good? Sometimes you drop your prizes to get more practice. Consider everybody that patronizes you, somebody giving you the opportunity to do what? To practice. You can't charge me what the skilled people are charging. You, because, look, every, in life, eh, people have something to offer. Yes, no, there are people that the same job you are charging 5000 for, they are willing to pay twenty. One, they don't want to see any flaw in the work. Why? They don't have the time to be checking or complaining. Are you getting my point? They don't have time, so they are willing to pay. Now, they are not going to pay you that money. Do you know why? You are going to take their time discussing the flaws. So there are those who cannot pay what they are paying, but they have time to be arguing with you. I don't know whether I get the point. But you know, human beings, we get greedy. We want to give the skill that those who have time to argue will receive and collect the money of those who don't have time to argue. I don't know whether you're getting where I'm going. Listen, I'm thinking, these are spiritual principles. Exercise. I, I read something last time. We didn't read it today. You know what he said? Quickly open to it again. If you, especially if you have a new American standard. Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. I'll just rush there because of time. Verse 6. New American standard. He says, since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, each of us is to exercise them accordingly. 
Did you notice that? Each of us is to do what? Exercise them accordingly. Remember, I started by saying I wanted to talk about how to wait for God. I'm not getting into it. The first thing I started explaining is the fact that life has seasons. The time that God will return, let's call that one the harvest season. The first season is what? The season of seed. And remember, many people are struggling, are confused, are frustrated in life because actually they are in the season of seed, but they are expecting what? Harvest. So they are frustrated. They are angry. Chine do this, did this one. I know how much they paid him. And these people are offering me. I mean, Chine do was paid 150000 for this. And they are not even willing to pay me 25000 What do they think? If they are willing to offer you only 25000 bros, you are not worth more than that. Because when you refused, they will have upped the game. Why did they leave you go to Chinedu and pay 150? <laughs> I don't know whether I get the point. Because when they weighed everything, they realized that that guy overall serves them better. I went to preach once, a young man, it was a, it was a big seminar. In fact, the messages are not, the ones I preached there, they're on our website. Are, uh, something about, um, something about leadership. There's one, one series, you go to our website, you see leadership. This was in the nature. So when I arrived, some people had been teaching. So one young man was asking the question. He said that, what if you are the guru? That's what he said. No, he said, if you are the wizard in a particular thing. And if you are the wizard, and that people are not willing to pay the cost of your wizardry. You know, are you getting my point? <laughs> he didn't use those words. I'm the one, but he used the word wizard. So he talked, and so people were trying to counsel. Because people, young men were asking questions. Young women and men, they were there asking questions. So he got. So when I came up, I was, I was just coming, and my own session was about to start. But I took it upon myself to answer his question. I said, who said you are the wizard? You. I don't know whether you're getting my point. Who said you are the wizard? You are the one that thinks you are the wizard. Those who are paying, they don't think so. If they thought so, they would have paid you more. The fact that you have to be asking us this question is that you are the one that thinks you are the wizard. And the Bible says, let another praise you, not your own lips. Don't get up. How I many would you think humble enough to say, I know I'm not very good in this thing I'm doing. Those who actually say they are actually good. It's just that they know where they are going. So they think that they are not that good yet. I don't know whether you get my point. There are people who say, lie, lie, I, I know everything. Once you hear that kind of person, run. No matter how good he is, run. Once he has the impression that he knows too much, disappear. I told the young man, I said, listen, your wizardry level is not determined by how you think. It's determined by the comments people pass about your work and what they are willing to pay for it. If, they are, if you can't find somebody pay this wizard fee, bros, you are not a wizard. You are not even a witch yet. <laughs> Maybe you are a wizard anyway, but there are many wizards in that area then. You are not a distinguished wizard. Maybe you are in a business of wizardry. Everybody there is a wizard. It's like you are selling recharge card. We are all wizards in selling. Why? It's just to hand it out and collect the money. Find something to distinguish yourself. I'm going somewhere here. Notice that God loves what? Skill. He loves skill. One of the things that happens in the time of seed is that we are developing our skill in everything that we do. That's why if you read um, Malcolm Gladwell's tipping point, he explains something there about the 10,000 hour rule. He said generally, those who you find who are very good in something, they have put in at least 10,000 hours into practice. And it will give you 
facts and figures. You see a man, oh, this guy, he just hit it. Bam! The first album, Omo, the guy just released. What do they say now? The guy blow, yes. His first album, the guy blow. What's the correct English? What's the past tense of blow? It's not blue now because you know how they say. It's speaking English. We can't say blue. Blue one is explosion. This one, the same man became rich. Anyway, the man now, okay. <laughs> blue and hammer are both present continuous tense. Okay, let's do it like this. This is Nigerian English. Hammer is a synonym for blue. Both of them are present continuous tense, and at other times we can use them as past tense and past participle and past continuous aorist tense. I added Greek to that one. Okay, so, he said the man just came out, first album, he just blow like that. That's Nigerian past tense. All right, <laughs> the Lord is good. You know what Marco Gladwell explained? Which is a matter of scripture anyway. He said that is the first time you are hearing him. That's not his first song in life. You know, many years ago, when I first came to Enugu, once, not when I first came, just shortly after we came anyway. Once, Pastor Ed, the house on the rock, said I should preach on Sunday. It was very, very early, early days. In fact, I, I was not a member of the church. We just started coming to the church that time. So, Sunday service, said, please, I should take first service. I said, no problem. Cinema Hall. I remember if you remember Cinema Hall. So, I can't remember what I preached that day, but I've been coming to church once in a while. The fellow who started the church was a member of my fellowship on campus, you understand? If I showed me a lot of respect when I will come, to, when I, I will attend, I go there. So, to that day, it was time I should preach. Nobody knew me there apart from my wife, and I was no longer around. You know, I didn't know I was. Is there no good? Nobody knew me in any good. So I just came. I sat until they introduced me. I came up, I started preaching, and the whole place caught fire. Like at the end of the people were coming, say, "Hey, you mean you can preach like this?" They were talking. To Let me say something. I was like, what is the excitement? I don't know whether you're getting my point. What is the excitement? You know, you are hearing me for the first time in 2000, maybe when was that? That would be 2002, thereabout. Yes. I had been preaching since 1989 on campus. The first time I gave a public message that I knew I was anointed was at one of our sister's birthday in her room. I preached that. She came to me before. That she invited me for the bed. And I said, so, Brother Banky, you are going to preach. This is called Pastor Banky that time. I became Pastor Banky later when I became the president of the fellowship. So I had this message, which I still remember till today. I remember I said, the, what is the key to receiving? Somebody said giving. I said, that's not scripture. The Bible says asking. And I preached in her Bible, in her, in her birthday party, in a infirmary hostel. Hot word for like, 20, 30 minutes I was given. That was my first public message that was under the anointing I used till today. Later on, I became president of the fellowship. And fairly all right, and consistently, I remember by 91, I was preaching almost every week for a certain period of that year before I graduated. Then I went into limbo. You've heard my story. But occasionally, I get the opportunity. I go out to preach. When I was a house officer, I preached every Sunday. And the Bible studies. Now I'm going somewhere. I've been doing this for a long time. <laughs> then one day, I was giving, because a new child started attending, he said, preach. We're like, ha, ha. 
<laughs> and one young man came to me shortly after, a few weeks later. I said, please, he wants to know how he can remember scriptures. So I was trying to give him counsel. Then suddenly something hit me. I said, wait, come. Are you trying to copy me? Are you trying to be like me? He looked at me like, hey, yes, sir. <laughs> I said, bros, I did not practice it. It's just out of use. I said, I've been reading this Bible since 1987. It will take you that long too. So just forget that. Thing. That is, <laughs> it's not, oh, you wonder, how do you remember the scriptures? How do you connect it? I said, oh boy, I have been studying this thing since 1987. And we're having this discussion like 2004. Or 2003, thereabout. It was a few months after the one I told you. I said, oh boy, wait, 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 wait. There's no magic. So when you hear a man release an album, when um, Asuekiye did, hey, 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 remember it. He had set up 10 choirs in different churches. Ten different choirs he had set up. So you think, hey, wait, we will came out of nowhere. No, not at all. That is why those who are in the seed period should learn to value the opportunity to exercise. You must learn to value the opportunity to exercise. But the world has taught us, you know, set a financial goal. Set a financial goal. So as soon as you start the work, you have a financial goal. God said, set an excellence goal. Did you hear what I said? Set an excellence goal. Set an excellence goal. Ask yourself, when will I... Now, maybe whatever area, just think of somebody that's very, very skilled and say, when will I be like that person? Those is when we're trading. I'm a pathologist. I remember, of course, we had a number of seniors, all right, in the pathology field. One of our seniors that time, of course, our big chief was Professor Banjo. All of us looked at her like an idol. There was a small chief. I remember one day he was in the office. So I, I, he was sitting down there. I entered. Ha! I said, chief. I said, you know what? One day I'm going to know as much as you do. He was, do you understand my point? We used to call him minister for education. His head was full of book. If you're in a hurry, you dodge him. If you have a question, you see him. If you're in a hurry, say no. <laughs> if I ask this man. Um, we're not going to live here today. So you dodge. Literally, if he and the big chief are coming in one direction, we take the other direction. Because we used to call our big chief minister for works. Because he will find a job for you. But him, he will find a book for you to read. He will give you an assignment. He will tell you to present a seminar. So we used to call him minister for education. So that they entered the office and I said, one day, I just said, I said, chief, one day I will know as much as you. I, I told him like that matter of factly. He was like, you know, we just put it in front. Uh, and he smiled. He said, me, what do I know yet? He said, you want to, he said, you are, you are talking, you don't know where Ogade, that's our other Oga. The woman, he said, you don't know where Ogade, like, I bet face Oga's direction. I said, no, Oga, let's start with you. We will start with you first. In fact, the way God helped me in my first exam was because of him. He walked into the office. He was going for his finals. I was going for my first exam. There are two exams, part one and part two. He was going for part two. I just entered the office that day. I was sitting there, he entered. He asked me one question. I read that everything I knew. And he said, is that all? And I remember what I asked him. I said, is there more? <laughs> then he opened his mouth. <laughs> and fire fell. Are you getting my point? <laughs> he began to discharge stuff. Bam, bam. It was dropping like, ah. You know, things you had never heard of before. 
I said, Chief, I know you did not invent this. So where did it come from? It's not in our standard textbooks. Then he opened his drawer and brought one hyper-specialized book and dropped on the table. I looked at it. I said, sir, can I read it? He said he's reading it. I said, can I just copy some pages? He said, no problem. So I made copies of a few pages. Then I dreamt that that question came out in the exam. <laughs> I entered the exam hall, and the question actually came out. It was just divine setup. It was on renal pathology, disease of the kidney. I, they gave us three hours to answer four questions. I took the first hour on one question. The other ones, we shared the rest. You understand? I sat down. I wrote systematically. I, ah! And my prof happens to be a specialist in kidney diseases. He was one that said the question. When he picked my book, he told me later, something led to in the office later in the office. When we go back to Lagos, he was in Ibadan. When we go back to Lagos, he said, this young man writes a beautiful essay. You know how, how come? It was because we set the other man in front as a man of excellence. I hope you get my point. And we desired the excellence with which he did his work. I mean, we used to crave it. I believe that God just used that small thing to bless me and save me from trouble. Listen, let me stop with that because of time. That is one thing. In the time of waiting, in the time of seed, one thing God has given us as an assignment is what? Improve your skill. How do you improve your skill? Through what? Use. Instead of looking for, I need to make money, I need to make money, I need to make money. You know what you do? You make sure I must improve my skill. Why? Like I used to tell people, maybe you see, you see a suit imported from Turkey. You know what I noticed in Turkey? All their suits, and in Italy, their suits are made by spirits. Angels come down and sew it by themselves. <laughs> do you spiritual needle? Is that what they do? Who sews it? It's not human beings. That's enough. You know what God just says? Just said that in front of you. Don't, you know, people say, eh, you know, they, they have the kind of machines we don't have. Shut your mouth. Just say, if human beings can produce this, I must produce it. Let me tell you the truth. It won't happen in two days. It will not happen in two years. Sometimes it takes 15 years to happen. God is interested in the skill. God is not here. He's not trying to share out money. There is something he's looking for. Listen, when you get to heaven, do you know the skill you acquired on this earth will stay with you? Skill. Go and listen to David Paulson. Oh, skill. There's, there's, a, there's an ability. Are you getting my point? Uh, maybe I'll talk about skill more. There's an ability with which God wants us to live that we develop down here and it stays with us. It's just so, you know, so, so when they were so close when they get there, I don't know. But that, that skill you put into your soul in making clothes sticks with you. One of the things they must never hear from your mouth is, oh, God, manage it like that. It, it, no, it mustn't be heard from your mouth. Manage it like that. Whatever you are doing, just ask yourself, ah, these people are doing it better. How are they managing it? Don't give excuses. Eh, you know, they have constant power. He said, God, you have the wisdom and the knowledge for witty inventions, which you have kept for the upright. Constant power or no constant power, I must achieve that level of production. Just sit in front of you. I don't know whether you're getting my point. But what Satan has done for us is we have set money in front of us. So what we are waiting for every day is, oh boy, when will I hammer? God said, no, stop thinking like that. Think of, of when will I be this good? 
When will I be this skilled? When will I have so much knowledge? Maybe you are a teacher. When will I know how to... You know, you know, you've sat with teachers before that when they are teaching, even Lazarus will get up and listen to the lecture. And after that, lie down again, waiting for Jesus. Are you getting my point? So you ask yourself, say, how, how do they do it? Like I always like to add, that's why we are believers. Somebody says that's why we are Christians. You know what that means? We have the opportunity to tap into divine resources. Listen, no matter what you are doing, even if it's fish you are breeding, get back home today and pray for divine wisdom. I heard the person the other day, and a man gave a testimony of how he improved egg production on his farm. Not doing anything out of, there's no special chemical anything he was using. But through prayer, you understand, and manipulating things in a particular way, he increased egg production to the maximum that people knew was possible and even exceeded it. I don't know whether you're getting my point. Whatever it is that you are doing, when you get back home today, eh, pray for skill to become outstanding. Daniel did not become outstanding because Nebuchadnezzar recognized his God. I don't know whether you're getting my point. What happened was that Nebuchadnezzar noticed that anything Daniel handles is done with a degree of excellence that's not common. One of the things that I found in the scriptures, when the angel came to see Daniel, you know what he said to him? He said, I've come to give you skill and understanding. When I saw it, the thing hit me. I put it on my phone. I said, for me, it is skill and understanding. That angel came to Daniel. He said, you know what I've come to give you? I've come to give you skill and understanding. That is, Daniel, you will observe what everybody is observing. But you will be able to bring forth a different set of conclusions that they can see in it. Listen, seed time is not, don't, let's not labor for harvest. Harvest comes, he said, the earth by itself produces. I don't know whether you're getting the point. He said, the earth by itself, the earth by itself, is not something we try to. What we make sure we do is that we put in the seed. Paul said, and add water. I hope, are you getting my point here? It's like watering the seed through frequent use. That is, whatever you are doing, brethren, what is more important to you? is that people agree to give you the opportunity to do it. Not that you are driving away customer because your guy is charging. <laughs> you know, he's charging. Uh, if my guy do this one now, he collect 20,000 naira. So you now cut it down to 10. Everybody goes back to your guy. You don't know why. It's because that gap for them, his skill is worth it. Let me end it here. Because of my time. Let's bow down here. Let's just stop it here. Let's just say, Father, we thank you. Let's just say, Father, we thank you. Let's give him thanks for the word that we've heard this evening. Say, Lord, we thank you. We give you praise. Thank you for sending this word to us in the name of Jesus. Bless his name. Believe um, this um, word is timely. Let's thank him. Thank him. Now let's begin to pray for ourselves. Let's ask for that, that Lord, give us skill and understanding. In the area that you have gifted us. Every man has a gift. Let us pray that that gift will become a skill that will put it to use in the name of Jesus. Pray for yourself that I will put my gift to use. That that skill, that excellence that God desires of us that will get to that point in the name of Jesus, irrespective of what we do, irrespective of the gifts 
that God has given us. Let us pray that I will put my gift to use. In this seat time, I will put my gift to practice. Please pray for yourself. Maybe you've achieved some level of excellence. It can get better. Pray. Say, Lord, in the name of Jesus, in this area which I have identified that you have gifted me, Lord, help me to develop skill. Money will not be first. Excellence will be first for me. Lord, this is our prayer, and we thank you. We give you praise, because indeed we will pursue this, and by your grace we will come out like gold. I am grateful. I go in this might. I go with this word. Give God thanks. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for encouraging me. Thank you. We are grateful. Blessed be the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus we have prayed. As we go, may the Lord go with us. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord bless you. Evil will not come near your dwelling. If you're sick, I believe why that word was going on. The pastor did not say anything about healing, but the word of God healed you. In the name of Jesus. As you go today, the Lord indeed will, in your dream, appear to you and will encourage you. It will give you ideas. It will give you direction. In the name of Jesus. Let us share the grace in fellowship. One, two, three, go. Because of the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, surely we are passed out of death and we are passed into life. We are passed out of darkness into the light of Christ. We are passed out of under the curse into the blessing. All things are passed away in our lives. We are now filled with the Spirit of Christ. We live above sin and walk above the devil because we are seated high above with Christ. This is a season of multiplication and dominion shining forth in the name of Jesus Christ. Now just give that to two persons. Say this is your season of multiplication and dominion shining forth in the name. Another person.